I'm Paige. Um, and this podcast we read and we're going to talk about A Fierce and Subtle Poison um, by Samantha Newbery. Mm-hmm. Yep, we're back with my ratchet laptop news. Another part of this is broken. Um, it's fine. We might like burn your house down. <laughs> yeah, so my charger, like, you know how if you bend your charger cord up a lot, which happens when you use your laptop? Because, right. Because, like, you, like, don't use it yeah. still. You, right. Like, Move it in different locations. Also, sometimes you have to put your laptop cord in a bag. Yeah. Which it's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, like, the part that connected to my. One of the cords that connected to the charger, like, was, like, weakening because it was constantly being bent. So I was like, I'll just duct tape it. Because obviously that's how you fix it. And, like, two weeks ago, I noticed that that duct tape was, like, kind of coming off and you could see, like, more of the cord. And it's like, okay, that's fine. I'll just, like, I'll just duct tape over it. And I did, and then last night, um, I could hear this, like, noise after I plugged it in, and I looked at it, and there were, like, wires sparking. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, okay. So I unplugged it, and now I'm missing half a charger cord, so I stole half of some of it afterwards, and that's fine. I'm lucky I can charge it at all, but yeah. So yeah. There was some panic this morning as you were like, <laughs> shoot, how are you going to record the podcast? But because, excuse me, because for some reason... My, I have a Mac, and my Mac is just, like, refusing to download Audacity, even though Audacity has, like, a Mac download. I mean, it's typical Mac. It doesn't work, but... I mean, my charger is fuzzy, and my camera, and, like, most of it, so... Your camera works just fine. Oh, your microphone and your speaker. And I saw your camera... The microphone works just fine. No, it doesn't. The microphone works just fine. Well, not unless you have a thing plugged in. I guess just audacity. Anyway. <laughs> um, I was reading this title story. aloud. Side story real quick, just to start us off. <laughs> I remembered that I Good. I was know. really worried that we weren't going to go on random tangents, so I'm so glad that we've already started. <laughs> um, I thought subtle was pronounced subtle, and so I was probably like, <laughs> and I was reading The Subtle Knife by Philip <laughs> Pullman. <laughs> And then I was like, I read the entire book, and I was telling someone about it, and they were like, "Figure my mom," and she was like, "What the heck, Nicole? Why you pronounce that word?" And I was like, "Okay, it's how it mom. <laughs> how would I know that?" And I like knew that subtle was a word, and like since like speaking, I would use subtle as a word. But then I saw subtle, also didn't know what subtle meant. <laughs> read the whole book anyway, though. Right, I read the first one. First one was a golden compass. Like, I knew all those words. <laughs> the second one was a subtle knife. I thought it was a different kind of metal. We had a gold compass. <laughs> a subtle knife. <laughs> so, just thought you should know Like that. a silver brass. Yeah. yeah. What's a subtle <laughs> Um. So, oh, this book, neither page and I have a lot of notes on. Um. This is a really quick read. The plot isn't very complicated. We say that every time and then we take an hour to explain <laughs> it. But this time, I swear, we're going to wrap it up in 30 minutes. We're not. I'm going to push us through this because it's time that we have a short, normal-sized podcast. In the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning. <laughs> Our goal was an hour. the word. And, which is true. We had books in the beginning. Anyway, um, I'm quoting. Okay. I'm making an allusion the Bible, the most alluded to thing in English. No, no, everyone got that page. No, well, you were looking at me like you know it. Okay, page is like, Michelle, do you know what a Bible is? I'm a religion. <laughs> You're just looking at me like I'm crazy. I didn't Because you it. are crazy because now I went on a side deal. <laughs> okay, okay. You're not good. as funny as my subtle. <laughs> 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 okay, 
All right. We've intended for the podcast to be 45 minutes. No, an hour. We never know. An hour. An hour. We said an hour. Okay, well, now we're at an hour 40, so, like, we need to, That's we need to true. cut it down. Blackmore is going to need some chopping. I don't know how long I don't Blackmore know what you heard was, but. I wasn't prepared. Great, so Blackmore does have a lot of value. <laughs> Our insights, I actually really liked the beginning of Blackmore. It was one of the few podcasts for Paige I didn't like. The beginning of the podcast, not the beginning of the book. For a minute, I said you were talking about how you liked the beginning of the book. No, I did. I hated the beginning of the book. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> there was like 200 pages of it until I like found myself not having to like give myself breaks every 15 minutes. I was like, okay. Because at that point, you're just like a nerd to it. I want to know what happened and I want to be finished with it. But yeah, that was the worst. Anyway. Okay. All right. Back, back to the book. <laughs> this is why we actually don't finish it like an hour or 45 minutes. Okay, so. yeah, that, that is accurate. All right. Here's some possible then. Subtle. Subtle. I'm so glad that I'm doing this in Cool. And here's some subtle poison. I've always been able to pronounce subtle. I said to Mabry. Okay, so we picked this up. Well, we told you we were going to start this part of the last podcast. Because um, it's a very beautiful cover. You've probably and, seen that on our Instagram. Yeah. And, um... Okay, yeah. So, you know how we were like, we were definitely going to make a concerted effort to read more, like, YA about people of color and by people of color, and then... And it's not that we, like, forgot about it or, like, lost our attention. It was just that when we went to look for books, we just, like, didn't think about it. And then we made a book list, so a second book list, it. and we were like, hey, wait. <laughs> yeah, so we remembered we it all the way up until we went to pick books, and then we I forgot. And then it. we remembered again as soon as we had our list, and we were like, hey. <laughs> yeah, so we did end up with this one, which I was like, perfect. This takes place in Puerto Rico. And again, this is another fault of me. I guess I, I scanned book uh, descriptions no, way too freaking fast, apparently. Because my thought... When I thought this book was about, okay, it has to do with poison and jungles, and like the inside flap of the front cover says, some say she grew up twitches, some say her touch killed, one boy is gone to a for enchanted world. I guess that should have given me a <laughs> I don't know what I We both think. thought it was going to be like about the girl. Uh-huh. I Which think, it is. I mean, she's a central character, but she's not the she's protagonist. Not the right? Yeah. So I think, because I read it, the original description I saw was in the library's website, so I think I may have, I didn't, it's not the same as the back of the book. It's more of like an actual description, and I skimmed at lightning speed, apparently. And what I came away with was that this was about a group of like witches in like the jungle of Puerto Rico that had like green skin. And um, that's not what it's about, actually. Mm-hmm. Also, um, but we thought it was going to be back to that diverse book. So we really thought it was going to be about like. I said, how to do with Puerto Rican girl? I thought she was the right protagonist, the narrator. She's right. a and the author the is. I was trying to do that last night. I was like, so Samantha Mabry, um, she mentions her grandmother Garcia. So we're not, we're not just like looking at her picture and like guessing. Just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> and she talks about it. And I feel like I saw. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so these, in the dedication, these pages are dedicated to the memory of my granddaddy, Theron Wesley Mabry Sr., who fell in love with a woman from Puerto Rico. It would have been tickled to see his name in the book. So I think he is a quarter. Or she, she is a quarter. That's not how grandparents work, though. Because if she has one grandparent who's Puerto Rican, this is what I'm trying to figure out last night. I know. She has one grandparent who's Puerto Rican. Yeah. You have four grandparents total. Yeah. So that's one out of four. Okay, your that's grandparents are your parents, though. Your parents are your parents. Yes, they are. So her, whoever, her mother and her father would be half Puerto Rican shit. And she would be a quarter. <laughs> 
Again, fractions were never physically names. Again, pages <laughs> pages now I'm not trusting me on math, which I have a minor in, or the fact that I know what the Bible is. <laughs> religion. <laughs> which goes back to my religion degree. In which I looked at Christian Christianity with my focus. It's not like I did Buddhism and then like maybe took one class of Christianity. Like I, I did know what Michelle knows what the Bible is. She doesn't know what, what fractions are. <laughs> I was just okay. confused. I don't know what Michelle. Okay, anyway. She credits her grandmother Garcia and the and her about the author. She mm-hmm. teaches writing and Latino literature at Community College in Dallas. So this is clearly someone who actually like she knows a lot about Latino right. literature. Probably um, she teaches that. That's what's mentioned in the conclusion I'm going to draw there. So um, and I think that's apparent in the novel. So mm-hmm. it is by a woman of color and Isabel. Well, Isabel is half Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's look. No, Lucas is half Dominican, a quarter Dominican. Yeah. But half. Yeah, I is don't know. Is his Yeah. He's yeah, half. I don't know. But he's half. half. At one point, you mentioned he's like, my mom was really blonde. Yeah. And, like, and he's like, my grandparents would never tell her about her parentage. And I'm just like, wait, she's adopted. Wait a minute. Yeah. She was adopted. So she was born in the Dominican Republic and then her was sent was adopted by grandparents to Texas. And her, his, Lucas's parents actually met in Texas. Yeah. Um, and she was raised by white parents. And she's also blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah, so, and when they mentioned that, they were like, yeah, my grandparents would never tell her about who her parents were. And I was like, wait. Is she... <laughs> were yeah. her parents white? I'm confused. I don't know. She was adopted. Let's call Lucas half Dominican. Because she's at least culturally white. Right. We don't really know that. I his, mom know. Is, yeah. his, mom, his mom disappears. Yeah. We never get to see his mom. And it's like a weird side plot situation. Yeah. On the top of it. Don't worry Take about it. it. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So I was like really excited to have this main character of color, which Lucas is really about. I guess he's half Dominican? Sort of. But like for all he's constantly he refers to himself as white. Mm-hmm. He passes it as white to everyone in Puerto Rico and he he's very conscious of himself as an outsider in Puerto Rico right. as a, like the rich white kid mm-hmm. so yeah because I feel like there could have also been an angle in which he was like I'm the white minority here um, <laughs> but <laughs> he's like no but he never he never goes down that road yeah. and he's like he's very well off and they only summer there and like when you're using summer as a verb like you know that like things are pretty okay for you <laughs> yeah so I don't do they use summer as a verb they're not summering they there's so much as his they don't use that. that's me yeah, they are summering, which they okay. are very well off. Like, that's all true. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the plot. The plot. So, we start off with Lucas. Lucas is there for the summer. Pretty much he has, like, a group of, like, three yeah. Puerto Rican boys. But they hang out all summer, and Do they, that. like, um, drink a lot, and they make out with all the girls. That's their normal summer. So, you kind yeah. of start in that situation, and um, then... One of the first nights we see, it might even be the first night we see, is um, Lucas hanging out with these guys, and then there's this girl named <laughs> Marisol. Marisol. And she. Jenna can't do that. And they are like hanging out, and they wind up going to this house, which we'll talk about the house in a minute, um, and they're, like, making out outside of this house against, like, the wall around this house. It's just, like, having adventures. Yeah, and then someone starts throwing, well, something starts throwing rocks at them, and it's, like, nighttime, 
so you can't really see what it is, but Lucas kind of believes that he sees a like a person on top of the wall throwing rocks down at them, like against the shadows of the leaves. Now let's talk a little bit about this house. This house is kind of a big deal. Um, so there's a lot of legends and like myths surrounding this house. Um, it is a house owned by an American scientist. No, he's not American. British. He's British. Yeah. Um, he's a British scientist who, but he lives in Puerto Rico full time because he studies um, poisonous plants. That's his specialty. And so Puerto Rico has a plethora of them. So he is, he's not often at his house. He's often in the jungle, like doing research outside of the city. Um, but yeah, so it's his house. There's a lot of legends around it um, about why his Honey wife. Son. Would you like to know the correct pronunciation by Google Translate? Marisol. That seems a little bit computerized. Um, <laughs> Marisol. That's better, yeah. Um, okay. Anyway. <laughs> I really like the name. I did have a nightmare about a girl named Marisol coming to kill me after the book. But, um, slightly unrelated. I have a lot of nightmares in my life. I think it's just the fact that I'm like a hindsight person. Generally, so I didn't translate to my dreams. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Not important. So this has... Scientist lives there, and the reason mm-hmm. all these legends are surrounding it is because uh, he married a Puerto Rican girl um, from a village, so outside of the city, they're in San Juan, mm-hmm. and this is, um, she's like this poor, like, peasant, are they called the Hirata, I think? Uh, Pretty sure that's the word they use in the novel. Um, and, but she's gone, so the story's like, no one, this is a family that no one really knows slash interacts with. And so it's kind of one of those situations, I think, where, like, you know, the house, like, I do this because my bedroom has always faced out to the street. So, like, I watch my neighbor's houses because they're outside my window. And it's, I think it's one of those situations where you learn stuff about the people living in them because you see them out the window. So, like, side note, all of our notes are side notes. Um, <laughs> my, the people, the old house we lived in, the people across the street, they had three boys, and I saw them bringing their fourth child, their daughter, home from the hospital. So I was looking at my window when they got home with her. Aww. Fun story. It's not even really you remember that house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think that's what is happening here. That's why I was kind of saying. Yeah. Really. People um, watched him with mm-hmm. his wife, and then they seen, I think they saw the wife was pregnant. So that's how the story about the daughter gets started. Mm-hmm. And then the the wife disappears. She abandons her daughter. Because she says she has to leave. Right. Um, we really don't ever find out what happened to that the mother. Um, yeah, the scientist, scientist's wife. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of legends. A lot of people say, like, birds don't fly over the house anymore. Um, a lot of people, like, there's some people that say the scientist killed his wife. There's some people that say she ran away. Like, there's... I mean, they've put together stories based on these small facts that they do know. Um, but one thing that has started to happen is that people have to kind of decide this house is magic. And um, the girl is. The girl is magic. The daughter of the scientist and his wife is magic. And so they throw wishes over the wall. Mm-hmm. Turn to like the courtyard. Yeah. Of this house. Which is not... They kept calling it a courtyard. And now that I'm thinking architecturally... When the courtyard's inside of a house, there's a house right, wall, no. the courtyard's wall, so this is like a, a enclosed, like, front. Right, it's just like a porch. <laughs> so there's high walls surrounding the house. And people yeah, about seven, seven feet. Yeah. 
And it's also like very well, lush. Well, I'm for paper, really. Yeah, paper you can throw well. Um, but the um, inside of the house or inside of the walls is also like very lush. Um, the scientist has taken a lot of the plants that he studies and he has planted them in there. So it's just it's just like filled with poisonous plants. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also a little weird. Yeah. Um, so there's all sorts of like stories about the daughter too. So we said that that considered magic and stuff. Um, Oh, there's like stories are circulating about her having like green skin and yeah. black hair, the common image. And it turns out she's showing up in people's dreams. We don't find out that she showed up in like multiple people's dreams until the end of the story. Mm-hmm. We just know that Lucas is dreaming about her. Which right. Lucas is like obsessed with his house, basically, and the stories about right. And he keeps getting all these stories from the different Lucinoras. Mm-hmm. And he and his friends made up some stories. And because nobody knows what And they have their own wishes over the fence. Like, yeah. Um, but he, the hotel he's staying at is just on the, the road from his yeah. house. You can almost see it from his window. I mean, actually, well, I have no idea about that, but... Huh? You might be able to see it from his window. Unclear. But it's, like, right down the street. It's like a block away. Yeah. So, or at least it seems that way, because he's always running there. You can right. see it there pretty fast. That's what... Yeah. I, th- I think it's, like, not far away at all. Yeah. Um, because his dad also seems to know what he's talking about when he's, like, the house. And stuff like, oh yeah, there is a scientist there. Yeah, everybody knows about that because it's always like close up and they don't interact with right. anybody, and it looks it looks suspicious. If I was walking this house from my front window, if they watched all the other houses from my front window, I might be suspicious of people. The fact that the daughter is apparently there but never comes out. Yeah. Um. So anyway, back to Marisol. Um. So they make out. They get wrapped up. Um, they separate and go their ways. Their separate ways for the night. Um, and then no one really sees, no, seems to know where Marisol is the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that night, is it that night? Or I think, I think it might be days. a few days later. Yeah. Lucas is down at the beach at like 4 a.m. because his dad doesn't really care about him. Um, like whatever. I think stuff may have happened, but we're going to ignore it because I don't remember it. It's going to book it. Um, and then he is down at the beach at 4 a.m. and he stumbles across a body. And guess whose body it is. It's not a random body. Yeah. Um, and it's like he gets gross. tangled up in her hair when he's running. I think it's yeah. He like well, he like trips over her body and then he like thinks he has seaweed on his ankle and his hair. Which is really creepy. So then he calls the police. The police have always been kind of suspicious of him because he's this outsider. He's the rich white um, kid. And now they're also suspicious because he was like the last person seen with this girl. Like, mm-hmm. and then he's also the one to find her body. But it appears at least initially that she just drowned, and so yeah. She is sometimes consistent with a drowning. Yeah. Like, she washes up, like, it's clear that, like, the corpse has, like, waterlogged. Um, Which, um, like, if you were the murderer, do you, do you phone in, do you, do you, do you, like, oh, yeah, I was stumbling across the beach at 4 a.m. and I found the body. Does that make you look more or less suspicious? You could say, oh, you're less suspicious, you're more suspicious because, well, then you can take, like, reverse psychology perspective. (laughs) Like, if I was the murderer, would I told you about the body and of course I'm the murderer because I can't say it. Right. If I was the murderer would I do this? I right. know. Anyway, so Lucas makes a very convincing portrayal of shock because he's actually in shock. Right. <laughs> um, but we do also note that her body is covered with a lot of cuts and like, let's say almost blisters, um, which yes. initially they chalk yeah. up to like being thrown around in the ocean. Yeah. But later we come to find out um, <laughs> might be more consistent with a rash from poisonous plants. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Guess who, who in Puerto Rico is stockpiling poisonous plants? The scientist. Yeah, so Marisol's... It's so, a scientist. <laughs> oh, yes. 
If that wasn't clear before, we mentioned how many poisonous plants he has. <laughs> it's him. Um, we don't actually get definitive results on this until later, but if, like, that's him. <laughs> yeah. So before Myersville was missing, there was an American girl, a tourist, who also went missing, and then her body washed up on the shore as well. So, which got a lot of attention because it's a white American girl on vacation. Yeah. This is why when people are like, oh, women should never travel alone, it's so dangerous. A, part of that is the reason that, like, you're only going to hear, like, if a man goes missing, it's not internationally, it's not big of a story of, like, a white woman goes missing. Like, a white woman goes missing, holy crap, that's scary. Like, Natalie Holloway and Aruba, that mm-hmm. was a story for, like, five years. Yeah. I think they still probably be, like, throwback specials on day I told you, I feel like I've totally seen. <laughs> five years later. <laughs> Ten years later, I don't we know. have no new information to give you, but, but we're gonna rehash it. <laughs> we're gonna have an exclusive interview with her best friend from high school, which is really a girl that like did not. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it's not that like if you go to Aruba, it's a death trap for blonde women, but like bad things can happen. <laughs> I don't know. I was reading an article on it, and like <laughs> someone made the point that like you're much less like. If you're going to be, like, assaulted or raped, it's much more likely to happen to you by, like, a husband or a partner than, you know, right, like in 80, backpacking. 85% or maybe it's even higher than that of, of rapes are done by people that you know. Yeah. Like, and not just, like, acquaintances, like, right, people that you know well. Um, so, fun fact for you. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. You should uh, watch the documentary Hunting Ground. I talked about that a lot. It's a really good documentary. It's very sad, but it's really good. Anyway, back okay. to this book. <laughs> um, <laughs> dark side note. Um, so this American girl went missing, and that was a big news story because yeah, people make a lot of noise when white American girls. Yeah, and they really talk about that in the book. I thought they did a really nice job of kind of addressing that issue. And then there's a side note later that a bunch of Puerto Rican girls were missing before, before the white girl went missing, and right. it was not a story at all. Right. They didn't even know about it. But now that the white girl has gone missing, they've connected these cases together. And so now the Puerto Rican girls that come that become missing after her matter a little bit more because they're connected to the white girl's case. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Lucas says that the detective thinks Lucas did it because the detective is just kind of out to get him um, because he's a white outsider. And so she doesn't really like him. I don't know. But she decide, he decides to take matters into his own hands, and he... Especially after Celia, Marshall's younger oh, sister, yeah. goes missing. So, they're like, oh, Celia... I, mean, I think the thought is that Celia went to find Marshall. Celia doesn't really understand. Right. She's so young, she doesn't really understand that Marshall's, like, dead, gone, not coming back. So she wants to go find her sister, and so now Celia's missing. And so now Lucas is like... And Celia's, like, Holy probably, shit. like, seven. I think so. Yeah. So she's young. She's little. Um, so yeah, and so Lucas is like, I'm going to go jump over the wall and talk to, well, first he goes in and talks to the scientist just, like, through the front gate, and the scientist is kind of weird. Because um, I think he knows that Lucas is not there to see him. Right, he's like, um, Lucas hi. is trying to figure out who this girl is. And right. I don't really remember why he's, like, fixated on the fact that the girl must know something, but whatever. Because he saw her that night that was oh, the last night okay. Marisol. Okay, yeah. He's like. Oh, so. he starts receiving notes in Chicago. Oh, he also starts receiving notes <laughs> in Chicago. And his, um, and the notes say things like, um... Well, he gets his wish back. He gets his wish back, because his wish was something about... Something about Marshall, I think. Yeah. And he gets it back, because someone wrote on it, sorry, this one I can't grant. 
Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And then Marisol goes missing, and you're like, wait a minute. And then, so then he goes to the scientist's house, and there's, like, no one there. It's just a scientist. Scientist, He doesn't see a girl. Um, And he talks to the scientist, and he's like, I want to know where I should go to college if I want to study botany. And the scientist is like, this is weird. And then, I don't remember what happens, but something quickly changes, and he's, like, immediately kicked out of the scientist's house. This flower pot falls over. Oh, Yeah. Flower pot falls over in the backyard. There's no wind. There's high walls, even if there was wind, like, yeah. probably would not go to flower pots. There's nothing around. And then he, like, gets booted out really quickly. And he's like, okay, bye. And, and so then, then Lucas is like, I still packing. You still packing. Go. Okay. Um, and then, within a couple of days, he finds a note on his, under his door that says, come see me with the disappeared girls. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I gotta go talk to the green-haired Green skinned girl. And he doesn't ring the doorbell like a normal person. He's like, I'm just like running like the wall and vault over. And he manages to make it over the seven foot wall and immediately crashes. And then he lands in. Remember how we talked about how his yard is full of poisonous plants? Yeah, we weren't joking. <laughs> um, so he lands in a poisonous plant. Um, and so then he wakes up and some girl is moving him. And to sort of shorten this up a little bit, so we find out that Isabel. That's the girl. Yeah, that's the girl is magic. Which she, you kind of like, oh, so she's like, she has all these magical, she kills a wasp without touching it. She blows um, Yeah. Oh. So I was going to be like, oh, she's magical, but I guess that's because her breath is poisonous. Yeah. Okay, so Isabel is poisonous. Like, if you touch her, like, and because she kind of ends up having to touch Lucas because she has to move him out of the other poisonous right. plants, um, he gets really sick. Yeah, she is like a poisonous plant. Yeah. So, um, And that's why she has to live with all these poisonous plants. Yeah. It's what's helping to keep her alive. Because the poison would poison her as well because she's still like a person. Um, so she's able to transfer the poison to the poisonous plants and thus continue living. But um, if she's not around those plants, she has nothing to transfer her poison to and so it starts to just kill her. Yeah. But if she touches people, so like Lucas gets touched by her and he winds up with like really bad hives like yeah, all over his arm. Delirious, like, and it becomes a little bit hallucinating. And then later, he, like, kisses her, which is a bad idea. Okay, Lucas is a freaking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then he's, like, in bed, like, feverish and hallucinating for three days. So, like, she's pretty poisonous. She's like, don't touch me. And then he's like, oh, yeah, the bruise. I'm gonna kiss the the bruise. Like my mom used to do. He, like, wants to kiss her all the time. And she's like, why are you (laughs) so dumb? Isabel's like, please, stop. She's like, you always say stupid things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Isabel's great. She's pretty bad. Like, I don't know. She's amazing. Anyway. Well, okay, she's kind of um, <laughs> Okay, so then, so Lucas and Isabel, blah, blah, blah. Stuff happens. So I thought it was a little bit slow, but I think it, it may be because I was reading it in, like, really small chunks at a time. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I read it in several large chunks. Yeah, so probably take Michelle's opinion, not mine, because it wasn't my reading to do it. Um, but stuff happens. Um, and Lucas decides he's gonna, I don't want to end up finding out stuff. Oh, Isabel's dad realizes that Lucas has, like, met Isabel. And Isabel's dad freaks out. Because for some reason, Lucas needed Isabel's shirt. He got soaking wet at the house. Yeah, and so he just, like, then is wearing it around town. Like, it just gets put into his, like, his clothing cycle, and so, like, and he's a rich white kid. Somebody has to go laundry. So he wasn't like looking at what someone right. Like, and it had like a, a it had like um, a seam that was fixed with red thread, which is pretty noticeable. 
if I'm the caller. Um, and uh, Isabel's dad comes to see Isabel. Yeah. Also, maybe something else. I feel like he might have gone to the election. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, but anyway. okay, we're going to move on. So, yeah, Isabel's dad finds out that um, Lucas has met Isabel, and he freaks out, and he's like, he's like, I will do anything to make sure that I or my daughter is not, like, separated. Isabel's dad really tips his own hand by, like, implying that, like, Lucas better stay out of it because he's not going to have him or Isabel get in trouble for these disappearances. Mm-hmm. Up until then, Lucas doesn't know that they have anything to do with them. No. So, Isabel's dad kind of gives it himself away, but he's like, I'll do anything to protect my daughter to make sure that the two of us stay together, and, like, if you get in the way, like, right. take you down, too. So, at this point, Lucas has realized that he's responsible for the disappearing girls, and he probably has Cecilia. Celia. Celia. Yeah. And so, then he, then he like, vaults back into the house like an idiot. Lucas this is, time, he lands on his feet. Finally. It, yeah. So, he has, like, zero sense, whatever. And what, come to find out, so it's... The scientist is trying to find a cure for Isabel, and to do this, he's experimenting on these girls. So all the Puerto Rican girls get missing before, and I don't think all of them were from San Juan. I think some of them were from different places. Well, his lab that he, like, tests them on, also the lab is not a lab. It's like a cabin in the woods. Cabin. I guess when you do botany, you have to, like, go out into the jungle and find plants. I mean, don't you need to do, like, testing? Right, he's doing testing on poisonous plants, though. I don't know. Whatever. Um, So, his chemist... Cabin. Cabin. I said that so poorly that I forgot. I was, like, trying to understand what I said. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that's supposed to be. <laughs> um, his cabins in the woods are not in San Juan. They're, like, closer to a town. Rincon. Rincon. Isn't that the word for snail? Is that close to the word for snail? Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm just not saying that. Um. I feel like. Oh, don't think so. Oh, my, do I remember the word for this? I feel like. Oh, let's let's pause and look at a microphone. <laughs> okay, so um, he decides he's like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna go find these girls in the cap and um, Isabel's Spanish like for corner. I guess I knew that. Oh, in Concio, what a bar in Sevilla. So um, anyway, so <laughs> then he goes to Isabel and he's like, we have to go find these girls. Isabel's like, okay, but I have to do a couple things first. And so they go to this abandoned hotel and she winds up just sewing leaves on a blanket. I was confused. I was like. I was like, what are we doing here? Like, And he, like, winds up having a little bit of a hallucinogenic dream because while she's sewing, like, the uh, poison from the leaves gets, like, poked out because she's poking holes in them. Lucas um, just ends up, like, getting, yeah, like, mildly just, poisoned over and over again. Right, I'm sure it's not good for him, but... Which, um, okay, one thing, quick before we move on, the scientist is experimenting on these girls, but Isabel is complicit in it. Isabel knows her father's doing it. In fact, she, in the beginning, she was on board with it. Like, she wasn't doing the experiment herself, but she was encouraging it. No, it's nothing like Spanish or Snail. Update everyone. I don't know what I was <laughs> I guess I knew that word too. Sorry, I can't remember anything. Now that I... Why do I think it's Snail? Snail is so freaking it. random. I was, like, sure that that was the word for Snail. Do you know the word for wire cutters? Mm-hmm. It's that random word we looked up in the dictionary for Spanish fights before our ID test, and we're like, just remember that's going to be the test. <laughs> and then I the test. I didn't think it was important enough to be like, well, it's worth the wire cutters. My and she did really well on the Spanish test, so it was, if you're taking IB tests at any point in your life, don't do that, because that's not an important thing. Don't do that. So just look up a random word and hope to incorporate it into your Spanish I mean, test. that was not the, that was not my, the entirety of my study plan for Spanish. No, we had an intense study. We have a single word in the dictionary. We could have a separate podcast on IB, but we won't, because we have lives. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to hear it. Um, Back to the book. But Isabel's complicit in this. And Lucas is like, 
Lucas is super angry, like, really, really mad, because Marisol barely knew her. But now that she's dead, I think he's, like, and plus he's like, Isabel, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, people, like, right, I don't care if I didn't know them, it's still not cool to kill teens. Exactly, yeah. Um, And then, and then this, like, young child is also a person. Yeah. Um, And it's so... Isabel's dad is like, this is fine. Like, Isabel's dad thinks he's full of this way. It's totally warped. Right, life. because he th- he's like, Isabel's such a unique yeah, person. She's more special she's than special. all these girls combined. Um, so it doesn't matter. We can, like, the we can kill, kill ten. People. She's worth more than ten people. Yeah. Because she's unique. There's only one of her, and there's, like, so many just random party girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is why utilitarianism is bullshit. I just want to point out. <laughs> Right, Trump utility is why? Because like if there's one person who's gonna like gain more than like this is like this is probably utilitarianism. You can always come up with a scenario in which like one person's life or like their happiness really is gonna somehow work out mathematically more than like ten people and they're like, Alright, let's kill ten people for this. No, guys, it's a horrible, horrible right. anyway, utilitarianism is so but you know, here. Uh, so Isabel's in kind of complicit in this, but she's also like in a weird situation where she's like gonna talk to anyone ever. So, like, I, as the reader, I didn't fault her too much for this. I don't think you're supposed to. I think you're supposed to kind of go with Lucas on his journey where you get mad and then you forgive her, like, pretty quickly. I um, really didn't think she was very sympathetic. Towards the end, more and more, like, I mean, she's dying and there's no cure for her. And, like, she can't even, like, touch anyone. Like, her father, like, she can't give her father a hug because she's poisonous. Um, so, like, she's, and she's been isolated her entire life. So, you can see that there's, like, she might be a little bit crazy because of this. And sure. towards, and after, and, like, some girls go missing, and then finally she, like, just has to stop, and she, then she disagrees with her father, but her father's, like, <laughs> too, what too bad. Poison girl? She can't yeah. leave. And I already have girls out in the cabin. Right. Freaking like, crazy. If she, um, if she leaves the, her house for too long with the poisonous plants, she, like, starts to get ill because she can't, right. like, put her poison on her plants. Yeah. Um, so she sews this random blanket. Yeah, but that's another. She like can't really do anything about what her dad's doing in the cabin in the woods because he's kind of trapped her house. Yeah. Um. So she in in an attempt to be able to leave her house, she sews this blanket full of poisonous leaves in the hopes that like the leaves being able to touch these leaves will allow her to like put some poison on them for a little bit. And she knows it's a very temporary solution. Yeah. So they steal their scooter. I don't know if I say steal too, but they actually they borrow it and they have permission. Well, they destroy it. So I- <laughs> well, and then, yeah, then I get the story. That stuff. But he, they save his sister, so I'm sure. It's, it's not his sister. It's not his sister. I'm um, sure he's still okay. They <laughs> borrow their friend's um, scooter and they go out to where these cabins are. The, he has two different cabins, and so they go to the closest one, one first, and the girl's not there. There is, like, a hurricane comes at the same time. This is, like, a horrible. This is where the book starts to get, like, really intense and, like, pretty dark, and I was like, wow, we're not going to get to any, like, redeeming, like. Mm-hmm. No. I didn't think this book was quite as dark as it turned out to be. Yeah. I'm always I'm always deceived by this. Yeah. No, um, I was deceived too because like it's a very I mean like despite these girls dying, I felt like the tone of the book is not that heavy in It doesn't yeah, it doesn't get as dark until like the end and really starts the it seems like the pace starts to pick up and it gets like way more intense in the last chapter. Yeah. And you're like, because for a long time you really feel like nothing's happening. Part of this might be faulted for how I read the book. I felt like it was fairly But they're just like, you know, they're like, they're walking around, he's getting drunk with his friends, making out with this girl, the girl goes missing, he goes to the funeral, he like, goes to the house several times, and then the last few chapters, they're like, 
in the middle of a hurricane. The girl is like, he's half being poisoned. Like, I it's going down. The last few chapters are way more intense than the preceding one. Yeah. I mean, Um, that's how climax of the books work. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so that was the first time. They're in a hurricane. Isabel, like, can barely stand. (laughs) Oh, like, a just hurricane that, like, shows up. It also leaves fairly quickly. It appears. Oh, maybe not, because it's still a hurricane when they get to like a cabin. I also, I also, like, I don't live where a hurricane by, so we have no personal experience with hurricanes. Actually, actually, Hurricane Sandy, I was in Massachusetts, but it's in Western Mass. We got the day after school, and, like, it rained, and it was windy. Um, but, um, it really, <laughs> it was not like being in New Jersey for Well, there was a hurricane like, a few days before, um, and they talk about how, like, Hurricanes just happen on the island all the time. And for yeah. the most part, they're, like, not a big deal. Um, yeah. But, because they don't normally get hit by, like, the bulk of the storm or, like, really big ones because of their location. And I don't know if that's true. Probably. To, again, I know very little about hurricanes or Puerto Rico and their relationship. Um, but there's a hurricane going on. They're in this cabin. Lucas is actually, has, because they've been riding on a scooter, so she's been, like, holding on to him. And she's wrapped in, like, all these, like, layers. But, I mean... Like, it's not enough at some point. Right. Um, so he's trying to hold his knee. He needed some time to, like, recoup. Yeah, Lucas is tripping. Isabella is dying. There's a hurricane going on. Right. And at this point, I was like, and again, my knowledge of Puerto Rico is not probably the best. But I was like, why hasn't Isabel? I understand there's a hurricane outside. But why hasn't Isabel gone into the jungle? They're in the middle of the jungle. Yeah, yeah. And that, suppose, like, if he has his research cabins out here, you would assume there's some poisonous yeah, plants like, around. Hell, and she yeah. just sits there and she's like, I'm dying. I'm like, go find a freaking plant. Go rip off some more leaves. Or, like, go hug it for a while. I don't know how much she does, really. Um, but she doesn't. And you're like, and that was confusing to me. Because she's, like, slowly dying. Lucas is, like, starting to recover. But they also need to get to the next cabin before the dad does. Yeah. And one thing. Okay. A couple things we forgot to mention here. Isabel is poisoned because her for a <laughs> long series that we're not gonna go all the way into, but her mother was cursed by her brother. Mm-hmm. And the curse was that like her womb would be full of poison. And so the mom knows this is why she like leaves the daughter. Because she knows before she gets pregnant, she's like, I can feel it, like I know this child is really poisonous. Um, and it is. And the scientist is a, is a scientist, so he doesn't believe any of this. He's like, That's a nice story, but like that's not true. Um, and the woman leaves, and she leaves her daughter, because the baby, when Isabel's a baby, she won't nurse, and, like, the mom's finally, like, you have to, like, she needs, like, poisonous plants, and the dad's, like, whatever. Right, when the mom was pregnant, she, like, insisted, because the scientist had a couple at his house, but, like, he didn't want to just, like, fill his, like, front yard with poisonous plants. <laughs> just, like, toxicity. <laughs> um, but the, um, his wife, she, like, insists that he fill his garden with poisonous plants, and yeah. so he does. Um, and when she can't get him to listen, she's like, it's better, like, I have to leave, it's better for me to leave her behind, and so she, like, wraps her up in, like, copper gold, and mm-hmm. he comes home and finds her, like, sucking on a columbine with her poisonous, mm-hmm. and so that's how he finds out that, in fact, just like my mother said, she's poisonous. Um, I, at this, I still don't think he thinks it's magic, I think he might, he's looking for, like, a scientific cure. Right. Um, um, so it's unclear exactly what he's thinking, we don't really get to spend a lot of time with him. <laughs> he's a psycho. He's a psycho. So anyway, um, but one other thing we missed was that once they leave, this is important. Once they're, they're about to leave San Juan, and the dad, because he, Lucas, and Isabel have escaped while she's like starting to like leave the Savannah Hotel, the dad goes to the police, to especially to the detective that was out to get Lucas, and like feeds her the story that it's Lucas who's been doing 
He's been drawing these girls or whatever. Yeah. So then she called a press conference and named him as, like, a suspect. They, like, show a picture show a picture. Him. So now they have to get out of there because, like, they're right. murder suspects. Right, so. The Lucases. Not so also out of the cabin. The they have to get out of the city. The city. Right, which they did earlier before they got to this cabin. But anyway, yeah. so now in the cabin. They're recovered. They have to go to the second cabin. They get on the scooters a couple hours later after Lucas is recovered. Now Isabella's getting worse because she didn't go out in the jungle like a normal person. Well, um, they knock over an oil lamp. Yeah, and then the cabin. So the fir- the hurricane blows the door off the hinges. The wind comes in, knocks over an oil lamp. Oil lamps are freaking dangerous. So the cabin starts going down, and then as the cabin like the burning like structurally break, weakens the cabin, and the hurricane literally just picks up the cabin and like throws like, it. Wizard of Oz style. Is what so I they get on the scooter and they try to leave, but also they're on dirt roads and it's hurricaning. So, it's so this muddy. whole thing is horrible. Like wind, Lucas rain, is like barely make it. Lucas is still tripping. He's like hallucinating. He thinks like yeah. he can't see really. Um, and then they hit some spikes. Yeah. yeah, so they head to the second cabin and the dad has put out spikes. I guess where did he get these spikes from? Why was that in the garage? I don't really know. Um, yeah, who has those spikes? No one the else. The police. The police have them. And, like, people out rental car places where they put them over so you can't yeah. ride yeah. out with the right. <laughs> with the car. So, um, okay. But he has spikes. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Anyway, so they, like, crash over the spikes, which is lucky because it throws Isabel into the ditch where there happens to be dumb cane, a poisonous plant. And so she she so, makes herself some bracelets. She makes herself some bracelets. She, like, hugs the plant. And she's like, yay, feel better now. Um. Which, like, why didn't you do this earlier? Whatever. Also, why didn't she drive the scooter? Like, she's not the one tripping. I don't understand why she didn't drive. She's dying. I don't know. The point is, everything here sucks. And they're all, they're both really Yeah, miserable. I mean, it's also a hurricane, so, like, no one's driving well anyways. And then they make And it. I thought the descriptions were good, because you authentically are like, this would suck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, after they hit that, the scooter is totaled. Like, it's just a piece of... Um, so they have to run the rest of their cabin. But luckily, like he didn't put that spikes that far away. Like, yeah. So they just like run to the cabin. His car is there, so he got there before them, which they might have figured out by the spikes anyway. But um, he's out dumping some other girl's body in the ocean. Yep. Because they go in, they find this. They find Celia. Um, and she's like, oh, is chill. Celia's like the doctor. Oh, he broke his wrist when he fell off the scooter. The doctor will help you with your wrist. He's just out right now taking this other girl to the hospital. Um, and. <laughs> Then Isabel's like, okay, you have to take her and go. And he's like, okay, are you coming with us? Because they're going to steal his car and drive back. Because he left his keys in the car also. Because uh, why not? And <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm not going back to that house. Like, I already told you that. Like, my father's a murderer. I'm not going to go back to his house. Yeah, I think Isabel is, like, half, like, I'm poisonous. And, like, there's no way for right, there's no care that I'm dying. And I think maybe part of it is, like, the guilt she's, like, been complaining right. about all these deaths, and she's like, this is the end for me. Like, there is no redemption, right. there is no way out. She's like, the only choice for me to live is to go back to this house, and I can't go back. Uh-huh. Um, so, so she chucks an oil lamp against the cabin, we burn this one down, too. And Paige and I both thought that she was, like, like burning her. herself alive. Yeah. Because um, then Lucas puts up the car, and he puts Celia in the car. Then he remembers, he was like, oh, yeah, um, Isabel told me to put her in a blanket. Just like, in case Celia's poisonous, they don't know how right. far the experiments have gone. Right, and so then he's already put her in the freaking car, and he's like, oh, I should go get a blanket now. And I'm like, she's already in the car, like, too late, buddy. Um, but he runs back into the burning building, I thought he was trying to go save Isabel, but Isabel's not in there, and he grabs a picture and a blanket, which has holes in it because it's been on fire. And he goes and gives that to Celia, and then puts a picture in there, and then they're about to leave, but then his wheel gets stuck, and he's like, never mind, let's go save Isabel. 
So then they just get, they run down to like the beach where Isabel and her father are having this confrontation. Um, Lucas has not given up this like hero mentality and Isabel is really like, no, like this is over. And so she and her father are standing out like sort of in the, in like the waves, I don't think it's deep water, but in the water and because she's, she like grabs her father, like her father, she poisons her father. Um, and I think she's also so close to death herself, and so her father like won't let go or something. Mm-hmm. She won't let go. I don't know. So her father dies of the poisoning in the water, right. and she and her father get sucked out to sea. Yep. They both say. Um, his body winds up washing up on the shore of San Juan because of currents. Because he's dumping his bodies in this beach, and they keep just washing up in San Juan. If I was a serial killer, which I'm not, because I definitely don't have the, the nerves for that, let alone, like, the psychological state, but, like, I don't have the courage. <laughs> like, you know how scared I am of serial killers? I feel like you'd be, you have to be pretty freaking scary to, anyway. Right, I would be so worried that, like, creeping around at night, or, like, whenever you do it. Like, yeah, I'd be worried I was thinking off. Right. <laughs> um, I'm too scared of breaking people's house in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm scared to be in my own house alone at night. Like, I don't think I could be in someone else's where I, like, don't know where things are. Like, I don't know if they have a mean dog or, like, weapons. They're gonna pull me? Yeah, not brave enough. But anyway. Yeah, so, but if I was dumping bodies, if I was, and where I was dumping bodies consistently, they'd be washed up in San Juan, I'd be like, you gotta do something yeah, different here. <laughs> go look at some currents. He's a scientist. Like, go to a research library. Take a boat. And weigh the body down. Yeah. What the heck? Uh, but anyway, so he um, washes up. Isabel never washes up. No one really knows Isabel exists, um, except Lucas and this other boy that they borrowed the motor scooter from. So that's this is pretty much the end of the novel, and mm-hmm. the legal stuff and the police stuff is cleared up, and things are fine. Yeah, Celia tells them who kidnapped her because she's still alive, and he's like, she's like, yeah, I was a scientist, and all these other girls were here too. Yeah, so everything works out for Lucas basically, um, and yeah, he starts getting wishes. It's interesting. It seems like Isabel may have transferred that to him or got yeah. transferred to him. But that's pretty much the end. Yeah, we get a plot, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, she does transfer it to him. There's a moment where she's like, I want you to receive the wishes now. Oh, yeah. And the fact that her mother was magic, and so they think that might be one of the reasons that Isabel mm-hmm. shows in people's dreams. Also one of the reasons that wishes are given to her, because even, like, when they're out in the city, mm-hmm. uh, a woman comes up to them, like a blind woman comes up yeah. to them, and is like, here's my wish. And then they're like, what the heck? So she might have some sort of other magic besides her poison. She might just yeah. be like a, I forgot what they're called, shaman. So. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the plot. That's the book. Um, Everyone dies. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, one of the things we haven't touched on, so uh, I guess like, I don't know, magical realism, um, <laughs> I think it's definitely a thing in this novel. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially given that the author like teaches Latino literature, like magical realism. Magical realism um, is like maybe most prevalent in the I would say literature. so. Yeah. Um, those are like the major names for like Jerome C. Marquez and Isabel uh What's his name? Juan Rufo. Oh my god. Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> if you like this book, you'll love. No, you won't. <laughs> that book was described to us as ceremony on crack, and ceremony itself is already like a very like. And it, I feel like that's even like a gen- too gentle of a description for that. It's. I still, like, I still don't know. Um, there's what. no spark notes or cliff notes on that either, because yeah, sometimes, it's like one own. of those books where you're like, please, somebody just throw me a lifeline, because I have <laughs> no idea what's happening. Uh-huh. Um, and there's or like, none. you know what's happening, but you don't understand 
You know, like, the small scale? Do you have any idea yeah. of, like, the macro story that's happening? I don't know what it means. Um, we're talking about Pedro Paramount. I don't know if he explicitly said we that. We just said Pedro. We just said Pedro. We call it Pedro. We <laughs> spent um, a lot of time with it in high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway. I know what Pedro meant. It went badly because then I couldn't figure out what It's very confusing. Um, we watched the movie. <laughs> Only my class because Paige's class is too busy, like, organizing protests. Um, true story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the point there was magical realism. <laughs> um, so, like, House of the Spirits, um, 100 Years of Solitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, like water for chocolate. Um, I'm trying to think. Can I think of a non-Latin American example? Sandwich. <laughs> what? Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know. I feel like it's a really. I can't think of anything that's not from Latin America. Like um, when I think magical realism, those are the names I think of. Yeah. I'm sure um, there are magical realism books that are not from Latin America, but like that is really where the bulk of the like well-known ones are from. Yeah. So having this book kind of fall into that genre. Oh, Salman Rushdie is sometimes. Oh, yeah. 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 That doesn't make sense. Um, um, yeah. yeah. So that's a thing here. We didn't, we glossed over a lot of it here because we didn't want to spend like forever getting bogged down in plot as we do anyway. Yep. Um, but all like, I mean, the fact, like Isabel is poisonous. Um, there's a lot of um, mythology going on in the background with her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, the wishes. The wishes. The dreams. Like, she might be a prophetess. Like. Yep. All sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, the fact that she's showing up in green. So all of those are like these magical realist connections. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we never actually define magical realism, we decided to run it and name the examples. Um, magical realism <laughs> is like, it's different from fantasy in the sense that um, this is still meant to be taken as like a realistic mm-hmm. novel. But it's where magical or like unexplained outside of the ordinary events are happening alongside and are meant to just be as smoothly integrated into the realism. Right. Um, and there's not so much focus on this being like an extraordinary thing. Yeah. It's just like or part of things that happen. Right. There's no effort trying to really explain. I mean, there's mi- here minor is, effort. Like, mythological there's a going on here. Right. But there's no real, I don't, yeah. The line is not always like super duper clear. Um, it's, but, yeah, it's, like, integrated very well into the story. We don't spend a lot of time trying to explain it. We don't spend a lot of time being, like, isn't this crazy that this happened? Um, it's just, like, what has happened? Yeah. And if you are, like, a lit scholar and you and I dispute that definition. That would be great. I don't fine. actually. And we, we, as we talked about, we read Pedro. And <laughs> we read Pedro in high school. And as we were very upfront about, we did not know what was going on. Like, yeah. on a micro sense, I could tell you the events and stuff. And I could, like. I could gesture at interpretations, like, is it purgatory, is it, like, this hellish, you know, and I could gesture at the pr- interpretations other people pretty much do, <laughs> based on the fact that um, our English teacher would be like, some people say this is, like, purgatory, I'd be like, okay, I can do that, sounds good, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but so if anyone wants to enlighten us, that'd be great, if you have any thoughts on Pedro Paramo, if you read that, I know that's not what we're talking about, but, like, supposedly, <laughs> but I still find that book fascinating just because of the level that I did not understand it, yeah. So if you are, like, a Pedro scholar <laughs> you want to talk to us about it, we would love that, just on a personal level. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, if you want to know more about magical realism, you can go look at the, the article, which I think is, like, yeah. 17,000 words long. Yeah, and you can probably, Knock yourself out. You can probably read some things. Yeah. yeah, those could be recommendations. If you want to read some more magical realism, we just told you a bunch of titles. That's not our official recommendation, but <laughs> yeah. those are probably good 
because it's strange you really want to explore this genre. Uh, okay, cool. So we went over the 30 minutes. I swore you're going to do it. But we're going we're gonna to knock this out before an hour, though. Yes, we are. <laughs> okay. Three minutes for books. So if you liked, if you kind of like the magical realism aspects, um, if you want to read more about that takes place, um, or like the connections, oh, I um, Latin American, mm-hmm. Mexican American connections. So I'm stuck to myself. And this obviously... <laughs> takes place in Puerto Rico, and now I'm kind of like I'm stretching it to get to the book record. We're going to give that doesn't take place in Puerto Rico, so don't write and tell me this is a Mexican American book. Like I'm clear on that. Um, I don't remember everything, but I remember some things. Um, we would recommend another book we read in high school, Bless Me Ultima. We actually had like like really good reading in high school for the most part. Shout out to our teachers. <laughs> we love you. Yeah, <laughs> Bless Me Ultima by Rodolfo uh, Anaya. <laughs> Which takes place in New Mexico in the 1940s. Um, so this is um, by a Chicano author, and it's considered um, a great, like one of the great American novels. It was published in like, uh, well, it was published. We'll look it up. <laughs> see real quick. Never mind. Okay, let me just tell you some more about it. Real more recent. Um, yeah. And okay, so it takes place in. Um, a Chicano community in New Mexico, and it centers around this boy whose name is something. I think it's Antonio. Mm-hmm. Let's call him Antonio. That seems really right it to is. me. It is. Antonio. Okay. <laughs> and it's sort of a coming-of-age story with him, and then Ultima of That's the title. genre, according to Wikipedia. What? It was published in 1972. What's the genre? Coming-of-age. Oh, not recent. Sorry. I mean, more recent than the 40s. More recent than the 40s, yeah. That's what I meant. Um, and not like 2005. Right. Um, and, um, Ultima is his godmother, I think. She's a curandera, so she is a, um, not like a bruja, a witch, but she's a healer. And so she, so there's, they're drawing on sort of like, um, mythology and folklore that's kind of integrated into the story. Um, not exactly like straight up magic, there's also a golden carp there going on. Yeah, I think that would be like magical realism. Because, like, do yeah. golden carp exist? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Giant. What? Isn't it giant? It's not just like. Oh, the, the carp. I thought you meant the book. Like, no, big. the book is not very thick at all. The carp. I think it actually might technically be a novella. No, I don't think it's actually. Looks longer than that. I don't remember. All I remember is that we had to do projects at the end, and for some reason, people got in their heads that we like we're sh- should bring in food, and then we just got like cake and tacos, and it was like 9 a.m. That was for Ethan's film. It made even less sense reason from. <laughs> tacos, I tacos guess. could have made sense for Bless Me Ultima if that's the, really the way you wanted to go, but it made uh, zero sense reason uh, They tried. Bless their hearts. When, you, when you're when you like, I'm going to bring a food for our project, so it is a show time that a group has literally no idea what Because our teacher was like, yeah, you can bring in food as long as, as, as it's related. And I she wanted that to be a discouraging <laughs> comment. No, it wasn't. It was a okay, creative, creativity-inducing comment. All right, but anyway... So, Bless Me Ultima is a recommendation. Yeah. Now we're gonna you can read this. it in English or Spanish. I read it in English in high school, and I tried to read it in Spanish a few years ago, but then the library wanted it back, so I only made it by Uber. Whoops. Um, I read it in English because my Spanish isn't that good. I have, I read, like, the first three chapters of Twilight in Spanish, though, in the attempt to, like, retain my high school Spanish, and then I gave up because it was way too hard. <laughs> um, and it feels very familiar with Twilight, too. Yeah, I read it, like, we will talk about this in a later podcast, because I think we're going to do a oh, Twilight yeah. special at some point. Oh, yes. But I read Twilight probably 15 times in the book school. 
um, which is a little embarrassing. But we'll talk about it in that in our special episode. Yeah. Right now we're going to read this book. Yeah, we're going to read it on a scale of um, Hemlock to Nightshade. And what scale we give this gum chain, which is mentioned in the book, and you might know better as Elephant Ear. Uh-huh. FYI, Elephant Ear is poisonous. I didn't know that. But I drunk some lots and I could eat it, so it's fine. I was like, no, I'll change the I don't know if I have really any. Well, lots of plants are poisonous if you dig up, like, the bulbs and stuff. I mean, right, you don't, like, just around, eat like, eating things, plants, right. so it's fine. Yeah. The poisonous ones that you, like, can't touch, though. Yeah. 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 I don't really think I've had an experience with, like, poison ivy or poison oak. I haven't either, because I, I really go out of my way to avoid those. Right. When I'm, like, hiking and things, I just stay on the trail, and I don't, like, go grab <laughs> up on plants. And I don't really camp, so... Stevens, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I like hiking because I get to go home to my house and camp. Yep. Anyway. Okay, we're going to cut this off because we are almost to an hour and we meant this to be shorter. Okay, you can email us at smartgirlboysacks at gmail.com and you should follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And Goodreads. And Goodreads, yeah. Come interact with us. Okay, come interact with us. <laughs> Bye. Bye.